0: Our scripture text today is taken from Colossians chapter 3, verses 7 through um, verse 17. And this is telling us that if we have been raised with Christ, then we're to put on the new self. And this is the the scripture text for, for today's sermon. So Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony."
1: Good morning. morning. Was uh, very blessed to grow up in a family with uh, two brothers and a sister that I got along with really well. Uh, My uh, probably my three best friends are my two brothers and my sister. One now one brother and one sister. But as I grew up, I had a a younger brother Jed who was 15 months younger than I am, and uh, we both loved basketball, loved a lot of the same sports and a lot of the same things, and so. We spent lots and lots of time together. Uh, being that close, we were only one grade apart. So many years we were on the same basketball team and in school and different things like that. And, and uh, Jed and I used to work out a lot together because we just love basketball and we were real serious about it. So we would do all these things. And so when I would work out with my brother, Jed, what would happen was a good thing that would happen is he was a little bit faster than I was, probably just half a step faster than I was. And he could jump a little bit higher than I could. He was just a little bit better athlete than I was. And so as I would work out with my brother and we'd spend time together and we would do all these drills and things together, he would really push me. He made me a lot better because he had some more. He was a little more naturally gifted than I was so I was very thankful for that relationship growing up that he would just come alongside and we'd work out together and we'd do these things. And he'd really push me and help me to kind of grow and be better at sports and different things. And so uh, today it's, it's similar. I'm very blessed and thankful. I have a younger brother, Jeremiah, who works in a church in Houston. And he's a little bit better preacher than I am, He's a little bit better teacher than I am. He's he's really, really good. And so when he comes around and when he visits and different things, he'll help me a lot and he'll give me little pointers and different things. And, hey, have you thought about this or you could make this a little more clear? You could do that. And so it's still happening even today. I'm very thankful to have that with with both of my brothers. And so I was thinking about that this this week as, as we're moving on in our series, we've been calling it growth in Christ. And once we become saved and we put our faith in Christ, how we begin to grow and and walk in that more and more. And I I was thinking about that because, uh, the importance, and this is really what we're going to be talking about today is how we need one another. As we begin to grow in Christ, the scriptures talk all about how we need each other and how we need help in these things. And that's really what we're going to be looking at today as we finish up. And I say we finish, we continue on in Colossians three. We started the beginning of Colossians three last week. And we're going to look at those verses that Larry just read for us just a second ago. But before we do, before we move into that, let me just set the table, the scene of what we've been doing in this series and make sure we're clear on it before we move on I was, I was reading this week, and I think Ephesians 2, in a lot of ways, sums up what we're after in this series, this idea of growth in Christ. Because Ephesians 2, in verse 8, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we are saved by faith alone in Christ and what he's done for us. And we've been saying that over and over. We want to make sure that's right at the front. And we always start with that. But then verse 10 in Ephesians 2 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so what we've been saying is as we grow in Christ we put our faith in Jesus and we're saved by faith alone and grace and what Christ has done for us but we could say it really this way we could sum it up this way we are saved by faith and grace alone but not by a faith that remains alone right that when we understand grace and what Christ has done for us and he comes in and he begins to do a work in us we're changed and we start to grow it doesn't mean as Christians we're perfect, that's by no means what it means, but when we come into this saving relationship with Christ, the thing starts to happen. And we start to move towards Him and we start to grow in that. And so what it means to be a Christian means that we're growing. That we're moving forward and we're growing closer to God and more in Christ's image. And so that's what we've been talking about. And the ways, what we're saying in our series here is the ways that we do that. How does that take place and how does that happen and how does we begin to walk in that? And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we need God's word in our life. We need it to stand over and above us to help us in these things and and to guide us and to let God's word uh, come to bear on our lives and to show us. And then last week, as we were in the beginning of Colossians three, we were talking about applying that to our lives and what that looks like and the way that we get. Laid bare in the way that God begins to bring things to mind and begins to root out the idols of our hearts. We talked a lot about that last week. That there's things in our life that can take our functional trust other than God, and we need to root those things out and letting God's Word have its way with us. And through all this, and the power of all this, and the way that any of this can happen is through God's Holy Spirit, because when you put your faith in Christ, He gives you His very Spirit. He brings dead people, dead sinners. That's what we were apart from Christ. He brings us alive and begins to teach us and show us. And so that's really where we're going. And so as we go back to Colossians today, you know, Colossians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, and he's he's writing to them to combat some bad teaching and some different things and and correct and make sure they're clear on some things. And so what we were talking about last week and we're going to pick up with us today is this idea of now that you're in Christ. Put to death those things that are earthly within you. And that's really what we were hitting on last week. And it talks about in verse two, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of earth. And then uh, verse nine, it talks about uh, seeing that you've put off the old self and with his practices and those things. And so we're going to pick up with that idea this morning, but then we're going to follow it up with why we need one another when we begin to do that. Why we need help in that process. And so that's where we're going this morning. But before we do, let's pray. We're going to pray and then we're going to look through starting in about verse seven or eight down to verse 17. Let me remind you as we go to prayer. I was reading this just uh, last night. Luke 11, Jesus is talking about prayer and he's teaching the disciples and he's telling them things. And he says to them, uh, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? And so as we go to prayer, that's what we're asking, that the Holy Spirit would come and move. And God promises that. Jesus promises that. He says, I will give it to you in great measure if you just ask me. And so that's what we do before we open God's word. So let's go to him and just ask him to be present and to be guiding us and to be leading us in this time. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you. For your great mercy, the way that you've revealed yourself ultimately to us in Jesus, we pray this morning that your spirit would be here. We do ask, as you tell us to, we ask that you would be here moving in our midst, that you'd be applying this to our heart. You'd be opening our eyes, that you'd be teaching us. Without you here and doing that, we're hopelessly lost. And so we just ask that you would fill this place, that you would come in and that you would speak to each heart here and that you would reveal what you would want us to see from your word Pray that the words of my mouth would be uh, in a perfect accord with the words that you've given us in your scriptures. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. And so as we look at this, we're going to talk about three questions I want us to ask of Colossians 3 about this big idea of why we need, you know, helping each other, helping uh, one another along in this process of growth in Christ. And so the first question we're going to ask is just simply, why do we need help? Secondly, how do we help one another? And then third, what is the outcome? Alright, right. So why do we need help? How do we help each other? And then what's the outcome? Okay. so let's just start big picture. Why do we need help? And this is going to kind of pick up, tie us back to where we were last week. So just look at verse nine and ten with me. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. Now what Paul's talking about is he gets into and I mentioned this a little bit last week there in verse nine, it says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self. Or literally it says the old man. And so what we've talked about is we were dead sinners and, and Christ comes in and he he awakens us, the Holy Spirit moving in us to see who Christ is and we, we put our faith in him and then we have the Holy Spirit come in and we're we're made alive. But we still have this old man of what scripture talks about or our flesh or the things that are that are not of God, the things, bad habits and, and old ways in which we've turned and, and they're still clinging to us. And so Paul talks to us and this is what we were talking about last week of putting to death those things that are earthly and you turning from those things, walking in Christ, fixing your eyes on Jesus and not the things that are earthly and so. When we think about those, those old habits and those things that come along, you know, I, w- I was thinking about this week and I went back and I was rereading, uh, one of my favorite books, probably my favorite book, maybe, I don't know if I want to say that completely, but one of my favorite books outside of scripture. It's a book called The Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And if you've ever read that book, it's really humorous and it's helpful. It, it has to do with the very real, uh, the reality of spiritual warfare. And, and, and the way it's written is Lewis has written these letters, and it's from one demon to another on how to attack the patient that's what they call them in there. You have this patient and you're trying to attack him. And so Screwtape writes letters to the junior demon, Wormwood, and he tells him all these ways to attack his patient. And in the second letter, right at the beginning of the book, we find out that his patients become a Christian. And so Wormwood writes this I'm sorry, uh, Screwtape writes this to Wormwood, and this is what he says to him. He says, "There's no need to despair." Hundreds of these adult converts have been reclaimed after a brief sojourn in the enemy's camp, and they are now with us. All the habits of the patients, both mental and bodily, are still in our favor. And so what he's saying is the old man is still there. And he's talking about those habits and those things that we have and those things that hang on to us and things that are built up over time. It doesn't matter if you became a Christian at a very young age or or much later in life. There's all different ways that we come and 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 how that looks. But there's different times in our life and our walk that maybe we fell into a bad habit or a sinful activity or some things. And those things hang on to us and these bad habits. And so we talk about putting to death those things that are earthly within us. And so we need help because we need help in doing that, in discerning those things and and having accountability and walking away from those old things, the old sinful man. You know how hard it can be, uh, bad habits that grow up. Maybe it's uh, you, you lack of exercise or you don't eat real well and then you decide to make that change. It's really hard. It's really hard to do that. I was thinking of uh, as, as I lived, uh, I guess when I left my parents' house from the time I was in college until the time I got married, I lived for about six and a half years with several male roommates. And there were lots of habits that were formed and things that took place in, in the different houses I lived in that I wasn't even really aware of as being bad habits until I moved in with my beautiful bride after we got married. And uh, one of those things that I had never thought about that came up lots and lots of times the first couple of years of our marriage was put the toilet seat down, <laughs> never thought about it. To be honest, I mean, I had an older sister that was gone in college when I was about in middle school. And so me and two brothers and then lots of male roommates and years and years and years. I had to be reminded of that lots and lots and lots of time. And it took years to, to break my habits and to begin. And, and, and then the end of that story is then we had children and their three boys and now she's lost. There's, there's no going back. It's a, it's a losing battle. You're not going to win it now with, with a household of, of four Little men in the, in the house. And so but we all have those kind of thing and those things that hang on to us and the things that bad habits and maybe poor thinking, maybe things we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, just the things sometimes that we don't even know. And maybe it's ignorance, but we need help. We need help in going to war with our old self. The old man. And so first I would say, why do we need help? Is is this old man that clings to us and those things that we need to go to war with? And so that's what I'd say first. But then secondly, look at verse 11 and then 15 with me. So verse 11, he says here, there is no not Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free. But Christ is all and in all. And then look at verse 15 and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. And so I just say the other reason that we need each other and we start to think about why do we need help is the way God's designed it. That when we become Christians, there's this new unity, this new body that happens, this new thing that we have a unity in Christ. We have a closeness. We now have this this new community, this new closeness that's that's closer than anything else that we have the spirit dwelling inside of us, that Christ is now our life and in us and in all. And we're we're pulled together in this way. And that's the way God's designed us to walk this out together. And you can see this all the way through. The New Testament. You can go back and look at just the way Jesus walks with his disciples and how he spends time with them and pouring into them just over and over and over and together. Or you can go to so many different places in scripture, like Ephesians four is a wonderful picture of the unity that we have in Christ and how we're to walk these things out together. Ephesians four says, there is one body and one spirit. And just as you were called the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father, of all this picture of our unity. That whole chapter is beautiful in Ephesians 4 of the unity that we now have together and the way we're to walk this out together. Or Romans 12 says that we're now to submit our bodies, plural, as a living sacrifice, singular. We're to be one sacrifice together. Offering up to God and so walking this out together, you see this all throughout the New Testament. First Peter two talks about you yourselves are being are living stones and you're being built up into a spiritual house. Right. This image of. We're building built you think about stones being built together in a house and the way they overlap and they're they're put together and they build up to make this spiritual house together. And so you see this language and this imagery all throughout the New Testament. And so I would say the reason that we need to help one another, why do we need help? That's the way God planned for us to walk this out. We see that the whole of the New Testament is written to a community of believers. Not just to individuals, but to us as a community together. And so you see that over and over and so I would say when we talk about why do we need help one there's just the, the, the baggage and the things that we have clinging to us we need help in that area we need one another in that and then the way the second I would say is that God plans for us to do this together and to walk this out together because we have different strengths and different Weaknesses and different things that we can then come together and we're stronger together than we are singularly. So we walk this out together. So that's the first part. So now let's think about the second part. How do we help one another? What does it look like, or what does it to look like for the church, for the body of believers to begin to walk out and try to grow in Christ and to to put our faith more and more in Him? So let's just look at a couple things here. You know, in eight and nine, when you look at those verses, Paul talks about the things that we're to put away, right? But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self and with its practices. And then in verses 12 and 13 and 14, he, he talks about the things that we're to put on. Right? The things that we are to put on, he says, but put on God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. And then in verse 14, above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so when we start to think, how do we help one another? The way we help one another is we seek to love one another and to build each other up. Right. In verses eight and nine, when it talks about put away malice and slander and those words, I want you to just think about what those mean. When we talk about malice, we mean ill will towards someone else. He says, you don't do that anymore. There is no will, ill will towards others. You're to build them up. The same thing with slander is really tearing each other down. He says, put that away and to be compassionate and forgiving. And he, and he says the banner kind of over all this is to love one another. And so when we think about how we're to walk this out together. We're supposed to come alongside each other and lovingly support and build one another up. That's the way God has planned it and the way he said it. When you think about Christ is all and in all and this idea of us being one body. You know, I was talking about my, my brother Jed before, right? Jed was 15 months younger. So you can imagine there was a lot of times when we were just at each other, both very competitive and we played sports together. We would be in practice together on the same basketball team and we'd be, we'd be arguing, right? My coach would go, are they going to get in a fight like in practice together? Because we were both so competitive and we were so close. But... If anybody tried to mess with my brother, I was on his side immediately. Right. Because there's this closeness there that 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 I'm for you and I am with you and I'm here to help you and build you up no matter what. Even when we're fighting, you step in and you try to get then we're together. And so when we become a body of Christ and and Jesus is in us all and in all and, and we're united together, there's a closeness that's even closer than brothers, even blood brothers. You know, Martin Lloyd-Jones used to say that, that we as Christians have more in common with someone who lives on the other side of the world that's a Christian than we do with our next door neighbor who's not. And he talked about because of the Holy Spirit and our, and our love and in Christ and those things. And so there's a there's a unity there. And so we're called to love one another and care for one another and to build each other up. And it doesn't matter where we've come from or or what the difference is. When we come to Christ, there's a there's a unity in that we are saved the same way by what Jesus does from us. It doesn't matter where you came from or what mistakes you made or what. Because I know that's hard when we say that, oh, we'll just come together and love one another and everything will be good. Because most people have been in some church where that wasn't the case or in some setting where that wasn't. And it's hard sometimes to come in and say, yeah, I'm just going to love people and let them love me. But but Jesus says the way that that can happen is through the gospel. And when we love each other and we let that uh, be the unifying thing. And so the first thing I would say is that we we are to love one another. But then look at verse 13. And I don't want to. So we, we come together and we can say, oh, everything will be so perfect. And we'll just love each other perfectly. And all these things. If that was the case, we wouldn't need verse 13. But verse 13 is there. And it says, but bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And so when we talk about what does it look like? How do we help one another? Yes, we love one another. But then the the second thing I'd say it looks like is, is we're quick to forgive one another because there's times when we make mistakes and we get frustrated and we mess up or we say the wrong thing or all those things. And so Paul says that we are to forgive one another and be quick to do so. You know, last week we were talking about, uh, how, as we grow closer to God and we reveal the idols of our hearts and the things that we're putting in his place and how that leads us to a repentance, that growing Christians should be repenting people. We should be repenting over and over of the things that we've put God, we've put in God's place. And so as we were talking about that, we'd say we become more and more aware of what Christ has done for us and the way that he's forgiven us. And so that process continually pushes us back Further and further, deeper and deeper into Christ. And so, when that is the case, and we're doing that and we're walking together, it gives us a capacity to forgive one another so much more because we realize what we're forgiven. And that's exactly what Paul's telling us here. He says, You're supposed to forgive one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. How has the Lord forgiven you? Right? Christ took all your sin and all your mess and he forgave you completely by no doing of your own through his grace. And so Paul says we're supposed to do that with one another. We're to love, lovingly come alongside and to be quick to forgive. And so when we talk about what it looks like when we help one another, one, we're loving, but then two, we're quick to forgive. We're quick to admit when we're wrong and go and reconcile and to love one another. Okay, So that's the first two. look at verse nine and then verse 16. We're going to take those together for the third one. Verse nine says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. And then in verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And so just to put those two together, I want you to think what he's saying. One, we're to be honest with one another. We're to speak honestly and openly with one another. Don't lie to each other. That's of the old self. Don't do that. And so he says that we're to speak honestly with one another. And then when you look at verse 16, he tells us that we're to let Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another. And so we're talking about last week, the deceitfulness of our hearts and how quickly we can move into idols and different things and we let them take God's functional place. And so what I would say on why we need each other is we need people in our lives to speak honestly to us. Oftentimes those things that creep in and the idols that become in our lives are our blind spots. And it's easy to walk and go, no, no, I'm good. And I got this. We need one another to step in and look into each other's lives and to know what's going on and then to speak up and honestly say those things. You know, there's not an easy thing to do. But I mean, you're out with a friend who is a brother in Christ and you you know it and you're trying to walk this out together and he's just really harsh with his wife. That is your duty as his brother in Christ to say, hey, man, you don't talk to your wife that way. That is not loving your wife as Christ loves the church and lovingly coming alongside and saying that. Or, or whatever the case may be, the things in which we we fail or the things that we're, maybe you're spending all your time, you're neglecting your family and you're spending all your time at work. You're becoming a workaholic and your family's suffering because it, you need a brother to come alongside and say, this is not good. This is not what God's calling you to. And so we need one another to step in and to be able to say those things. You know, there's there's a quote in your bulletin today from Don Carson. He's a, he's a wonderful Bible scholar and a wonderful teacher. And he just he says this, uh, he says, it is it is hard to accept a rebuke, even a private one. But it is harder still to administer one in loving humility. It is not easy to do. It's not easy when you see someone doing something that's uh, it's, it's much easier to just go. Oh, that's not right. But who am I to say? I'll just slip over here and let it slide. Right? But, but the, the truth is, when you think about the way Jesus talks about sin, Jesus says it's better that you cut off your hand. Right? If your right hand's causing you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. He says if your eyes causing you to sin, gouge it out. It's pretty serious language in the way Jesus talks about it. And so I'd say that simply, it would be unloving to not say something. Right, to just let it slide, that's not being truly loving brother in Christ. But we're called to come alongside and to help one another. Uh, you know, this, There's a wonderful picture here, even in our body, of how that takes place and how that can happen. You know, Maybe you're a new believer and you're trying to figure out exactly what this looks like and how do I work some of these things out. We have a wonderful cross-section of people and ages. Maybe you're a new believer and you're going, I'm not really sure what this looks like. Well, that's great because I'd like to come and introduce you to my friend, Gary, who's been walking with Jesus for over 60 years. I would love for you to spend time and have him speak into your life. Or maybe you go, we've got two kids and they're crazy and we're not sure how to do this. And, and now what? Right? There's diapers and there's things. I don't even know where to begin. Well, I'd like to introduce you to Monica and Dennis. we 11. Right. And the, and the youngest is just about to be out of the house. There's wisdom here to help. And that's the way God designed it. You don't have to suffer. and go, Oh, I don't know how to do this. And what do I do? We come together and begin to speak truth and speak honestly and go, yeah, maybe you're not doing that the best. But let me tell you what I've learned through many years of making that mistake myself. And then you can begin to help one another and begin to do so. You know, there's a beautiful picture all through scripture of doing that. You know the ladies in the church have taken on starting this thing, the Titus Two Women Mentoring Women. If you're not involved in that, we'd love to invite you to come and be involved in that. It's a wonderful way to have other women speak honestly into your life and to teach and admonish and come alongside you and love you and help you. Right, men, we have Tuesday morning. Prayer breakfast and we get together and we pray and we read God's word and we spend time together. And hopefully out of that, relationships are being born that we're spending time together and doing these things because this is the way God has called us to help one another, to walk these things out together. You know, if you're here today and you're not, maybe you wouldn't even consider yourself a Christian and you still have questions and you're going, I'm not really sure how I would love nothing more than to sit down with you and read through one of the gospels. And pray about it and answer questions and talk about it because that's what we're called to do. Go make disciples of all nations and answer and do that together. And so if that's if you're in any of the and that pretty much covers all of us really be involved in one of those things and look for people to then speak into your lives. There's one last part here that I want to say before we move on to just what happens, to the outcome. And the last part here is in verse 16 and 17. So we've got we lovingly help one another and we're forgiving and speaking honestly and teaching and admonishing one another. But then look at verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Right. Let the word of God dwell in you richly and do everything in the name of Christ. And so when we start to think about how we begin to do this, how does this work? How can we go alongside one another and begin to speak into each other honestly, correcting and rebuking where needed and forgiving one another and coming and doing all these things? And and the only way this can possibly ever happen is when we just make Jesus and what he's done for us, the center It has to all be gospel saturated. God, through Jesus and what he's done for us, has to be in all these things as you correct a brother lovingly and tell him this is not what God wants for you. Then you remind him that God loves you infinitely because of what Christ has done for you. And you're not even saved by this. You're saved by what Jesus has done for you. And I want you to walk this out in the fullness the best we possibly can. That's the only way that these things can begin to happen where they're not just a legalistic. Oh, I'm going to beat you over the head with some rules. That's not what we're after. We're after seeing what Christ has done and he's changed us. And now we want to walk those things out the best we possibly can. And so in and through all these things, the very source and the very center, all of it has to be the gospel. And we say it often around here and I, I hope you hear this and you know that this is true, but we have to continually preach the gospel to ourselves daily and not only to ourselves, but to one another. We have to continually remind ourselves because there are so many ways that we try to make it about what we do and our works and all these things and our, the 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 idols of our heart creep up and we need to hear that over and over and over again. And so when we talk about how do we help one another, it has to be all these things. But in all these things and through all these things has to be the gospel, the good news that you are saved by faith alone and what Jesus has done for you. That's the only way this works. It's the only way that you can begin to then be open and honest about your sin and confess and ask for help. Because otherwise it's this shame of, oh, no, I'm not doing enough. Well, then you're misunderstanding the gospel. And so we have to preach that to each other over and over again. And so that moves us to well, what's the outcome? What happens when that starts to take place? And I think you see that in verse 16, as you let the word of Christ grow richly in you and you're teaching one another in all wisdom. And then you're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. What happens is worship happens. We begin to see God more clearly for who he is and what he's done for us. And it leads us to a thankfulness. It leads us to a joy. It leads us to an overflowing wonderfulness of who he is and what he's done for us. And so as we begin, and sometimes it's hard to do that and it's hard to speak in, but then we speak into one another's lives and then we're restored through the gospel and we see it more clearly and it leads us to praise and to worship him and to be excited about what he's done for us. Right. And that, that's the way it has. No, it doesn't. I don't want to paint the wrong. So you come in and oh, we'll just love each other perfectly. And it'll be all forgiveness and all wonderful. And then everything. That's, that's not the reality. There will be times when it gets messed up and it's sticky and it's not quite right. And it'll be frustrating and all those things. But what will happen is as you grow closer to God, he becomes bigger than all those things. And you begin to see him for who he is and what he's done. And so there'll still be hard times and there'll still be seasons where there's struggles and there's frustrations and all these things. But what happens, though, is what uh, Ephesians four talks about. We're building one another up in the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Hard times will still come, but we will have a rock solid steadfastness in Christ and what he's done for us. And we'll be able to weather through those things. And instead of you isolating yourself and getting frustrated and suffer alone and all these things, you get together and we pray together and we lift each other up and we help one another and we grow closer to Christ in the process. And then we can offer up joy and and thanksgiving and praise even in the hard times. But that's the picture. That's the picture that the New Testament has over and over. That we're to come together and this growth has to happen where we help one another No one was designed to go off and do it on your own. It's not the way scripture is written. And so as we end today, I just want to leave you with just very, very practical application. And I already mentioned a couple of these things. But one man, if you're sitting here today and you hear this and you say, yeah, maybe that's I do tonight at six o'clock, we're going to meet downstairs and we're going to pray together and we're going to read the Bible and we're going to do these things the best we can. And so if you're not involved or you don't know where to begin or what do I do come today and we won't be perfect and it won't be everything is just so. But what will happen is we'll pray together and we'll read God's word and we'll encourage one another. That's what we'll do. Right. Or come on Tuesday morning and that's what we're seeking to do or come to one of the small groups or get involved in the ladies fellowship that's taking place where women are mentoring women like Titus two talks about. We're seeking so many opportunities to point you to where this can happen exactly like it's talking about. And we don't have it all figured out and it's not all perfect, but we're trying our best. And so I just say that you've got lots and lots of opportunities to come and be involved and to do this and to walk this out together. Because that's the way God planned it. That's why he wants us to do that. And So just very practically take hold of those and come and be involved. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. For your word, we thank you for your design and your creation that we're to love you and then to love others and that you've you've called us out to come together and to encourage one another and to admonish one another and love and forgive and to to preach the gospel to each other. We pray that we would be faithful in doing that. We pray that you would bring more and more connections and deeper relationships in which we can truly and honestly seek to love you and to love one another. I thank you for the way that we see you doing that already and I pray that you would just continue to fan that into a flame in which we are just on on a wonderful journey together seeking to know and love you more and spread your gospel to all the ends of the earth. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.